We are Taking the Helm with risk takers who are motivating us to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Welcome. Our guest today is Margaret Borsma. Just about four years ago, Margaret took a chance and started a new business called Creative Education in Action. Margaret is a creator, an educator, a consultant, a coach, curriculum writer, a workshop facilitator, and an expert in social emotional learning, which we're going to learn a great deal about today. Margaret, I'm excited to tell your story. What compelled you to leave a school board after 36 years and open Creative Education in Action? So the reason I start, started uh, Creative Education in Action is because I realized over the course of my career, social and emotional skills couldn't be taken for granted anymore. Children don't have them, and even adults are really weak on them. Adults, uh, we come from disempowering contexts, and we, we feel victimized really easily, and there's, there's a lot of young people that react more than they respond, and they're reacting just on gut reactions um, that haven't been thought through and that come from a place of disempowerment and victimization. So there's a real need for this out in society. And my great big gaudy goal <laughs> is to impact society with some specific tools that would change everything. They would be a game changer. There's a great deal of research to support social emotional learning or emotional intelligence. And some of the names that come to mind right away are Goldman and Castle. What is social emotional learning in your world, Margaret? So social and emotional learning is um, the skills that children and adults need so that there's no bullying, so that victims feel empowered, so that um, we see each other as equal contributors in our lives and uh, equal contributors to each other and the world. As educators teaching empathy, you know, helping our students understand and being able to share the feelings of others, that's not something that comes to us naturally. It's such a critical part of being, of learning to self-regulate, to find compassion and kindness. Doesn't it actually help to build the essential skills we'll need? It does. It, it does. And, and so how, I guess the question as a teacher for me always was, how do you teach empathy? And I've discovered the gold. And I that's what I like to, to get out there. I think when we live in someone else's shoes, we really grow empathetic. And so in that cone of learning, um, you know, reading is when you remember maybe 10% of what you've read uh, and bring it into your life. But when you do simulated situations or drama or theater, you remember 90% of what you've learned. But not all of us are theater experts, so how do, you, how do you teach teachers to do some of the techniques so that it's really, really meaningful and powerful, and, and, and they feel safe trying it out with their students? So that's what I'm about. Now, you offer many workshops that on your webpage that anyone could take a look at. Could you pick one of your favorite and kind of walk us through? What would that look like? Yeah, so when I do a workshop for teachers especially, 
I take some of the components of a unit of work with students and then the teachers leave with the full unit so they can do it with their students. So one of the units that I also have on my website has to do with dealing with change. And I think I entitled it something about what, um, the good that can come from trauma or something like that. And it's a picture of a little boy that, that I actually taught as an artist in residence. And, and he, um, he was so in the moment and the teacher took the picture at the perfect time. Um, but he was in character there. So dealing with change, not, every, not all of our students are immigrants, but there's such a big flow of immigrants now and refugees and what do we think of them? They're not us. And a lot of us have a mentality of us and them and how do we get to appreciate who they are and what they bring? And so, the students that aren't familiar or haven't ex experienced an immigration experience in their family or in previous generations in their family, I say, you know, I, I want you to think of a big change in your family and how that affected the values of your family and what you hold on to now that's really dear to your heart. So that's how I deal with that with other students in the class. And then we go into um, an imaginary world. So we actually treat it as as real like I don't let the children use funny voices or anything like that they have to speak from the heart and so it's it's a role play that's improvised and they kind of create the story after I set up the characters and the situation so the the problem gets in 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 there and then they have to find a solution and so it is problem solving and it is real life but we do come in and out of role to really make that connection solid. Like how does it, how does this reflect to me as an individual, to other texts and books that I've read or movies that I've seen and to the bigger world situation and what's going on in the world. And so those skills are really developed. Those 21st century skills are, are key in all this. So inside that story, the children are uh, in family groupings and we do activities to really get them to gel with each other. And there comes a point in the story where they have to decide if they're going to flee from their country or if they're going to stay and hide or figure out something, but it's a life and death decision. And so often the students will, I, I provide them an opportunity to interview people that might have some wisdom so they can make that decision because it's very challenging. And so the government officials were, were asked to come and talk about, um, the kids wanted to know about why war and how does that solve anything. And so the kids are um, in their family groupings, but then they come to a big meeting with these government officials. And two of the students volunteer to play the government officials. And so I have a little word with them out in the hall. And I say, you know, you have to use the research that we've done up to this point, and you have to create, use your general knowledge and create plausible answers is what I basically tell them. And you can't contradict each other. So listen closely to what the other person is saying. Meanwhile, I've taught the class, they got in their family groups and they've made up questions. They've generated questions. So it's authentic because they have a reason. And then they have to prioritize their questions that they have for the government officials because they're not going to be there all the time. Like, and then um, they have to decide who's speaking. 
and they have to learn how to use follow-up questions if they're not satisfied with the answers. And so then the meeting begins. And I have a beautiful video clip on, on what happens. And, and in the middle of the clip, one student says, what's racism? This is grade four, grade four and five. And these government officials are trying to answer this question. And then they say, I don't know what racism is. So another kid puts his hand up and says, <laughs> well, excuse me for saying this, but usually it's the white people that are, and he, it's beautiful, it's priceless. So they get what they need from the government officials and they go home and um, they have to make this decision. Meanwhile, uh, somebody, me, a teacher in role, I put a scarf over my head. I'm coming to the families and I'm saying, listen, you have to decide tonight because the war is coming. It's in my village down there. And so I make it really urgent. And then we do a strategy where uh, it's called Corridor of Voices, where they decide if they're going to flee or if they're going to stay. And I tell them just before that, that we're going to do it all together. It's not some families stay, some families leave. And they had to consider elderly people in, in their decision because they couldn't make a big journey. And just telling you a snippet of this unit, because we also focus on the journey and settling back into Canada. But that's a little snippet of the urgency. And so after the corridor of voices, there was this great big eruption, a great big cheer, because they all decided to leave. And that, that was done by an elder who walked through two lines of kids who were his voices in, the, in his head. Should I do it? Should I not? Should we leave? Should we not? And he represented everyone. He turned around. He said, we're leaving. Oh, it's just so compelling, Margaret. I mean, as a 31-year educator myself, recently retired from a school board, you're teaching so many skills, creativity, critical thinking, flexibility, understanding, empathy, um, self-awareness, motivation. There's so much in there. When we talk about you know, social emotional intelligence, it's all there and taught in such a creative way through drama and, uh, and movement and all of the other skills that you bring. Yes. Creative Education in Action brings in unique cross-curricular programs, which means it pulls in several subject areas at the same time. But don't you also offer units for adults? Yes. Yes, I, I, um, this, this applies to everybody. So after I, I retired from the school board, I did three and a half years of study in social emotional learning with another organization. And I've already always done a whole lot of that anyways, because it's always been my interest. Now, when I go into schools, principals ask me, can you just look after the bullying side of things? And now what they're asking is, can you take care of social emotional learning here and make a real difference? So that's just propelling me forward. I think that's why I'm here. I'm supposed to make a difference in this area. And I love working with other people. Oh, yes. And I've done uh, workshops for children of different ages. I create and write curriculum that really impacts people. And, and it really um, brings forth those deeper conversations that we need to understand why we react, when we react, and how we can handle things a different way and it really has a lot to do with how we think and how we communicate those two things the thinking skills and communication skills and communication isn't just verbal is it it's visual it's nonverbal, and your program teaches all of that yes and that's why it's so powerful when you started to speak about this unit of work you were talking about defining moments and uh you do have a few that you share on your webpage. 
But yeah. what would you pick one of your defining moments and, and what brought you to where you are today? It wasn't until I started thinking about that when I was putting that page together on my website that I realized this was actually a lifelong journey. I think it's critical that people connect with their own defining moments because I think they give clarity in our purpose in life and what we're up to and what we need to be up to. Those defining moments are worth reflecting on. Hindsight is 2020. I struggled as a child in school. I was the oldest of uh, three girls in an immigrant family. And um, Dutch is my mother tongue. And I struggled to learn spelling, to learn math. I found everything hard. We were, um, I always needed help every night from my mom. So um, one day I was outside and I overheard my mom on the phone. I'm 11 years old and I hear her say, um, she just can't learn. And I just, I was devastated. I just, I thought I'm stupid and life is always going to be hard. And I thought of all the times my mom helped me with homework and she was so giving of her time and I tried so hard and it just was so hard. The spelling was hard, the math was hard, the reading comprehension was hard. And as I, as I went forward in life, I realized I didn't learn the way I was taught. Those were not my strengths. So I was always working uh, to be good enough. And I ended up believing I wasn't good enough for decades. And I don't want other kids to feel like that. I want to teach kids like me, and there's lots of them, in ways that they can learn easily. And the way I teach also brings in those students who can learn easily through books and lectures and um, you know, so it, it, it is for everyone. I don't like just teaching special ed classes or because I think that's, that's um, missing an opportunity for those kids to shine in front of their peers because they're often my best. Believing that we're not good enough is defeating in itself, isn't it, Margaret? Thanks for sharing your insights from someone who has dug deep to figure out that that mindset came from somewhere and you were able to shut it down. We have so many experiences, moments, or events that are pivotal in our lives. Exactly. We all have them. Definitely. Why did we become teachers? A lot of us are teachers, but we have a reason in our background. And it's good to be clear on what that is. So with your many, many years of experience, Margaret, what would be your best advice for making the classroom a better place? Uh, I love this question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe that um, if we can teach our students how to be aware of their feelings and emotions, how to bring down their emotional temperature so they're in a state of calm no matter what happens, if they can um, listen to others and help them to feel heard, I do a, a technique called mirroring with that, and if they can learn how to make it right with someone, not just to slough it off, I'm sorry, but the four steps of the make it right formula, the world would be a better place. How would you describe those four steps to make it right? All right. So one of them 
first of all, you don't have to use the word I'm sorry. To me, that it's just so often empty and meaningless. Not always, but it often is. Anyways, just get, get off my back is what it's saying, the tone, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but first is admit. Admit to whatever you're responsible for and assume you have 100% responsibility. It doesn't mean the other person not responsible for some of the, what they did, but take the initiative to admit what's yours. The second step is impact. What's the impact on that other person of your actions or your inactions? And how does it impact you yourself? So impact is the, the biggest step in that. Then make a plan going forward, what you're gonna do differently, and then do it. That's it. Those are the four steps. I couldn't agree with you more. Understanding the impact of our words and action is often the most difficult to learn and to teach. We can lift someone up or pull them down in an instant. And what you're doing with creative education and action teaches that and much more, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Yeah. I make opportunities to do direct teaching in SEL, social emotional learning. Let's jump over with a question about becoming an entrepreneur. I'm sure that you had many hurdles when you first envisioned creative education in action. What do you think was your biggest barrier? The biggest hurdle is my mindset. Like it was my, like I keep working on that all the time. Like I grew up with a self-concept of I'm not good enough. So an entrepreneur with that isn't going to get anywhere when you put those two together. So I had to overcome that. And I'm still constantly working on that personal um, growth. And uh, I've come such a long way. And I now have committed colleagues. Three, four of us get on a call for 20 minutes every morning. And we support each other in what we're up to. We're entrepreneurs. And we acknowledge each other every day. What do you want to be acknowledged for? And somebody does an amazing job creating a future in that acknowledgement. There is, there is nothing more powerful as an entrepreneur than being part of a network. Yeah. Anyone who's listening who isn't part of a network, start one up as quickly as possible because having each other's backs is so important when you're facing one hurdle after another, after another, venturing off and opening a new business. It's new. <laughs> it's new and exciting, but there are so many what ifs. And I love what you said about mindset because in the interviews that I've done so far, really, uh, mindset seems to be the biggest hurdle for a lot of us. I think another challenge is being able to jump in with both feet, knowing that we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Hurry up and fail. <laughs> Hurry up and fail. <laughs> and then get back up and on your feet again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. If you're not failing, then you're not pushing yourself and you're not, you're not reaching your potential. You certainly have met and surpassed that potential. <laughs> Margaret's working with schools, school boards, districts, faculties of education in Canada, the US and Europe. She's just recently come back from New Zealand and my understanding is you're going back again. Yes, I think there'll be more opportunities certainly in New Zealand, Australia and in Holland for sure, as well as home. And you were just, uh, you just did a workshop in Calgary as well. Yeah, Calgary and when I spoke in New Zealand as well, yeah. Just phenomenal. Well, wish you all the best in your, in your future in, endeavors. And I guess the question for educators or school board representatives or anyone who's more interested in creative education in action, how do they contact you? 
Um, just go to the website. There's a contact form there, www.margaretborsma.com. Borsma spelt B-O-E-R-S-M-A. Your website also includes many resources for educators or anyone who's interested in having more information, correct? There's lots of free uh, strategies and activities on the blog section of the site for teachers who want to visit and get some ideas of how they can uh, use some of these strategies I've been talking about too. We've appreciated getting to know you, Margaret, um, you yourself personally, but also all of the resources and expertise that you have to offer us, not only in education, but for our own personal growth. I'd like to thank the gentleman who connected Margaret and I. He just happens to be our mutual website designer, and he is brilliant. Francis Yap of Mission Informatics in Toronto. If you'd like to know more about social emotional learning and the methodology that Margaret is using, she'd love to hear from you. Have a super day, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more episodes learning from people who are steering us in the right direction, visit lynnmclaughlin.com or subscribe to this podcast feed.